Hello, everyone. Today is April 17th. This is the One Year Bible Tour, and my name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and I'm happy to be reading the Word of God to you daily and pointing out highlights as your tour guide. You know, the Bible is the number one world's bestseller, yet I wonder how many people have read it all the way through. I wonder how many people could give a seventh grade book report highlighting the protagonist, the conflicts, the theme, the main plot points. Wouldn't you benefit from a Bible survey course? Well, look no further. We are not just giving a summary commentary each day. We are reading the text together with the benefit of gaining literary, historical, cultural, and theological context as we go along. Each day, we read an Old and New Testament passage from the one-year Bible format, as well as making stops in the book of Psalms and Proverbs. Today, we are in the first of the historical books, the book of Joshua, describing how God provided a way for his people to possess what he had promised them of an abundant inheritance. What about you? Do you know what God has allotted for you? The enemy of your soul knows what has been deeded to you in the new covenant. He just doesn't want you to step into it and experience it. The greater Joshua, Jesus, said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So let's move forward in our journey through the Bible, and as much as possible, let us possess our possessions in Christ experientially. Today we're going to read about the allotments of territory given to each tribe. And although it may sound boring to you, it would not be boring if you learned that choice property had been left to you in someone's last will and testament. Well, we're talking about God's will. There are specific boundaries given in the Old Testament to the land allotments designated for the tribes of Israel. This should inspire us to consider our lot assignments in the New Testament of God's grace. So let's begin reading today's portions in the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, chapter 15, beginning with verse 1, the allotment for Judah. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, as I am doing this year. The allotment for the tribe of the people of Judah, according to their clans, reached southward to the boundary of Edom, to the wilderness of Zin, at the farthest south. And their south boundary ran from the end of the Salt Sea, from the bay that faces southward, it goes out southward of the ascent of the Akrabim, passes along to Zin, and goes up south of Kadesh Barnea, along by Hezron, up to Adar, turns about to Karka, passes along to Asmon, goes out by the brook of Egypt, and comes to its end at the sea. This shall be your south boundary. And the east boundary is the Salt Sea, to the mouth of the Jordan and the boundary on the north side runs from the bay of the sea at the mouth of the Jordan, and the boundary goes up Beth-Hogla and passes along the north of Beth-Arabah, and the boundary goes up to the stone of Bohan, the son of Reuben, and the boundary goes up to Debir from the valley of Achor, and so northward, turning toward Gilgal, which is opposite the ascent of Adumim, which is on the south side of the valley. And the boundary passes along to the waters of En-Shemesh and ends at En-Rogel. Then the boundary goes up by the valley of the son of Hinnon at the southern shoulder of the Jebusite, that is, Jerusalem. And the boundary goes up to the top of the mountain that lies over against the valley of Hinnom, on the west, at the northern end of the valley of Rephaim. Then the boundary extends from the top of the mountain to the spring of the waters of Nephtoah, and from there to the cities of Mount Ephron. 
Then the boundary bends around to Baala, that is Kiriath Jearim, and the boundary circles west of Baala to Mount Seir, passes along to the northern shoulder of Mount Jearim, that is Chesalon, and goes down to Beth Shemesh and passes along by Timnah. The boundary goes out to the shoulder of the hill north of Ekron, then the boundary bends around to Shekeron and passes along to Mount Baala and goes out to Jabneel. Then the boundary comes to an end at the sea, and the west boundary was the great sea with its coastline. This is the boundary around the people of Judah according to their clans. According to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, he gave to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, a portion among the people of Judah, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, Arba was the father of Anak, and Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Sheshai and Ahiman and Talmai, the descendants of Anak. And he went up from there against the inhabitants of Debir. Now the name of Debir formerly was Kiriath Sefer. And Caleb said, Whoever strikes Kiriath Sefer and captures it, to him will I give Aksa, my daughter, as wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, captured it, and he gave him Aksa, his daughter, as wife. When she came to him, she urged him to ask her father for a field, and she got off her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Give me a blessing, since you have given me the land of the Negeb, give me also springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Judah, according to their clans. The cities belonging to the tribe of the people of Judah in the extreme south, toward the boundary of Edom, were Kabziel, Eder, Jagur, Kina, Demona, Adada, Kadesh, Hazor, Ithnan, Ziph, Telem, Bealoth, Hazor, Hadata, Kiriath, Hezron, that is Hazor, Amam, Shema, Molada, Hazar Gada, Heshmon, Beth Pelet, Hazar Shual, Beersheba, Beziathia, Baala, Aim, Ezem, Elolad, Tezil, Horma, Ziklag, Madmana, Sansana, Labaoth, Shilhim, Ain, and Rimon, in all, twenty-nine cities with their villages. And in the lowland, Eshtiol, Zorah, Ashna, Zanoa, and Ganim, Tapua, Enam, Jarmuth, Adulam, Soka, Azekah, Sha'arim, Adithaim, Gedara, Gedorathaim, fourteen cities with their villages, Zenon, Hadasha, Migdalgad, Dilion, Mizpah, Jokthiel, Lachish, Boskath, Eglon, Kabon, Lamam, Chitlish, Gedaroth, Beth Dagon, Naamoth, and Makeda, sixteen cities with their villages, Libna, Ether, Ashan, Ipha, Ashna, Sebib, Kaila, Akshib, and Marasha, nine cities with their villages. Ekron with its towns and its villages, from Ekron to the sea, all that were by the side of Ashdod with their villages. Ashdod, its town and its villages, Gaza, its town and its villages, to the brook of Egypt 
and the Great Sea with its coastline, and in the hill country, Shamir, Jatir, Soko, Dana, Kiriathsana, that is Debir, Anab, Eshtemo, Anim, Goshen, Holon, and Gilo, eleven cities with their villages, Arab, Duma, Eshan, Janim, Beth Tapua, Afeka, Humta, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, and Zior, nine cities with their villages, Maon, Carmel, Ziph, Jutah, Jezreel, Jokdeam, Zanoah, Cain, Gibeah, and Timnah, ten cities with their villages, Halhul, Bethzur, Gedor, Maarath, Beth Anoth, and El Tekon, six cities with their villages, Kiriath Baal, that is Kiriath Jearim, and Rabbah, two cities with their villages, in the wilderness, Beth Arabah, Midin, Sekakah, Nibshan, the city of Salt, and Engedi, six cities with their villages. But the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the people of Judah could not drive out. So the Jebusites dwell with the people of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. This is the end of our reading from the Old Testament book of Joshua. Let's take a few moments to think about what we've just read. Chapter 15 starts with clear boundaries being given to define the land allotted to the tribe of Judah. This is the tribe from which Boaz, King David, and Jesus would come. This land will eventually be the chief area of the southern kingdom. Judah's land allotment encompasses a major portion of the land where the central event in the drama of redemption will take place. We will eventually see the birth, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ played out in the land allotted to Judah. Jesus will also return there at his second coming. The land allotted to Judah includes the fields where Boaz will harvest barley and meet the Moabitess Ruth in the book of Ruth. The land includes the rocky grazing fields of Bethlehem or Bethlehem where the shepherd boy David will tend his father's sheep. Here are the mountains of Moriah with the threshing floor of Aruna the piece of land where the temple would be built. Eventually, David and then his son Solomon would have a united kingdom with Jerusalem as the capital city. The border of Judah's inheritance extends to the mouth of the Jordan River where John the Baptist will one day baptize Jesus of Nazareth. Are you satisfied with your lot in life? David, a descendant of Judah, wrote a prophetic psalm in which he rejoices over the territory assigned to him in the plan of God. He is content with the borders the Lord has established for him. The border lines have defined his inheritance as one who has been placed in a gift from God, prefiguring our being placed in Christ. Psalm 16, verse 5, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. Are you satisfied with where God has placed you? Remember, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Beginning with Joshua chapter 15 verse 13, Caleb's inheritance is spelled out. He asked for the hill country and God gave it to him. He received the city of Arba, named after the giant Anak's father. Once Caleb drives out the enemy, 
Arba was named Hebron, meaning place of association or fellowship. Caleb saw that he had an opportunity to glorify God by defeating the giants. He turned the enemy's territory into a place of godly fellowship. He turned a place once renowned for an enemy giant's glory to a place where God alone would get the glory for fulfilling his promise. Caleb's daughter, Aksa, was the sought-after prize that motivated Othniel to conquer Kiriath-sefer. Othniel wins her as a bride. She then asks her father, Caleb, to give her an extra field for a wedding present, one that was more suitable for cultivation and had access to the upper springs. It was Caleb's to give, so he granted her request. Caleb's name means wholehearted. Some name books say that it means dog, but dog in Hebrew is not Caleb, but Seleb. Yet this man who wholly followed the Lord had a dogged determination to fully possess all that he had been given for an inheritance. It seems that his daughter had some of the same chutzpah. She was not afraid to ask big, and her request was granted. In fact, she was given the upper and the lower springs. As we read of the land being set free for the tribes of Israel, we will notice that most all of them fail to fully possess their territory by driving out the enemy. What about you? Are you taking full advantage of what is yours in Christ, or are you allowing the forces of the world, the flesh, and the devil to keep you from experiencing what God has allotted to you? Our reading today concludes with this sad news about the tribe of Judah. They never realized the freedom and victory that God had intended for them. But the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the people of Judah could not drive out. So the Jebusites dwell with the people of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. Joshua chapter 15, verse 63. Now let's go to the reading from the New Testament, the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 18, verses 18 through 43. The Rich Ruler Luke 18, verse 18. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, See, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. 
for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament, the Gospel according to Luke. Let's point out some things you don't want to miss. Jesus is making his final journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. He goes directly south to Jericho, where he will turn west and travel the Jericho Road to his purposed destination, to give his life as a ransom for many and be crucified as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He meets a rich Jewish religious leader on the road who certainly appears sincere as he asks the question, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus knows that this man has not yet come to see his need for salvation. He still thinks that there is something that he can do to inherit eternal life. He does not duly recognize the fact that God is so holy that he cannot look upon sin. It is already too late for him to meet God's standards. He has already missed the mark. If you break the law at one point, you are guilty as having broken them all. One would have to be perfect as Jesus is perfect to inherit eternal life. Jesus tests this man's assumed righteousness to see if it matches the high and holy standards of the law. Only God is truly good, Jesus says. Mankind was made in the image of God. He was created to discharge his responsibility of mirroring the moral character of God to all creation. In God's book, something is only considered good if it functions as its creator originally intended it to. Jesus could be called a good man because he was fulfilling the purpose for which he, as God, made man, to mirror God's moral nature, to put God's glory on display, exhibiting his grace and truth. We often fail to see that our problem is much bigger than not being good enough for God. Our problem is that we are not functioning as God created us to function. We were created to be full of God's life and reflecting God's nature, so all creation looking at us can see what God is like. Instead, we are full of sin, full of ourselves, full of our fears and insecurities. Jesus reminds this religious leader of the Ten Commandments, pointing out that they communicate something of the kind of behavior that is required to be right with God and qualified to inherit eternal life. He deliberately omits the command, Thou shalt not covet. This man was unaware of his own covetousness. He is blinded to his self-righteousness and greed. His unwillingness to follow Christ gives evidence to the effects of the fall within this man's heart. He was dead in his trespasses and sins and did not know it. Jesus tells him, There is one thing you lack. What is that thing? It is not that he failed in just one command. He lacks the life of the Creator in the creature, 
the life of the lawgiver living as the law keeper in his heart. Sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. Just as this rich ruler was blinded to his own covetousness, we are blinded from birth to the depth of our depravity, where we are alienated from the life of God. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18. The life of God knows that the real treasure is in heaven. So Jesus says, Come, follow me. I came that you might have life. Jesus was giving this man an opportunity to repent. The word repent literally means to change your way of thinking. The self-righteous ruler did not recognize he was a lost sinner in need of a Savior. He could not turn from his earthly treasures to follow heaven's treasure, Jesus Christ. If he followed him, he would soon be on the Jericho road to Jerusalem where he would find that Jesus was offering to God a perfect sacrifice so this man would receive the very life that he needs to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Next, Jesus once again predicts his pending death in Jerusalem. Each time he does, he adds more details. Luke chapter 18, verse 32. The ancient prophecies of the suffering servant will be fulfilled as he is handed over for a violent and shameful death. And on the third day, he says, I will rise again. Luke 18.33 At Jericho, Jesus meets blind Bartimaeus. What is significant here is that Jesus does not silence this man when he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. This blind man is announcing publicly that Jesus is the Christ. The fact that Jesus was not discouraging him from doing so in such a vociferous way was a sign that Jesus' hour was now arriving. When Jesus asks the man what he wants, the blind man says, I want to see. Jesus says, All right, begin seeing. Your faith has made you whole. It is ironic that it is this healed blind man who joins Jesus on his way to Jerusalem and not the rich religious leader. This blind man shouting, Son of David, will get the crowd doing the same. He follows Jesus from Jericho to Jerusalem, praising God. When Jesus gets to Jerusalem, the crowd has grown to a throng, shouting, Hosanna, Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now let's go to our reading from the Bible's songbook, the book of Psalms, Psalm 86, verses 1 through 17. Great is your steadfast love. A prayer of David. Psalm 86, verse 1. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, 
Insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor, that those who hate me may see and be put to shame, because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. This man knows what to do when he is in trouble. In the day of my trouble I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. He describes his plight more fully in verse 14. He says, O God, arrogant men have risen up against me, and a band of violent men have sought my life, and they have not set you before them. He knows that the God who has made himself known to him through the scriptures is like no other. Therefore he devotes his heart and mind to him. So the psalmist makes his plea based on what he knows about God's character. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. Turn to me and be gracious to me. O grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your handmaid. And now let's go to today's proverb for our daily dose of wisdom. And our wisdom nugget is Proverbs chapter 13, verses 9 through 10. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. By insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. So let's take his advice today. Let us receive the counsel of his word. Let's walk in the light of his truth. Shall we pray together? Father, teach us what we need to know. Give us what we need to have. Lead us where we need to go. And empower us to do what we need to do. We don't want to fall short of receiving what has been allotted to us as our inheritance in Christ. Thank you for the amazing grace that humbles us to a recognition of our need for Jesus to be our rightness before you. Thank you for hearing our plea for mercy. Before we called, you answered in Christ. Holy Spirit, Thank you for illuminating the truth as it is in Christ through the Holy Scriptures. Triune God, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining with us on our Bible reading journey. If this podcast is a blessing to you, or if you have any questions or comments, you can always contact us by email. Our email address is podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to receive a free written copy of each day's commentary on the one-year Bible readings of the day with charts, illustrations, and maps, you can subscribe by going to our website, newlife.org. And there you can also learn about New Life's ministries, download free growth tools such as how to know God personally. And don't forget to subscribe or follow this one-year Bible tour guide wherever you get your podcasts. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Shalom.